Well, good to see everybody. My name is Brad Jackson, one of the pastors here. And we, uh, I know it's surprising, following up that skit, we are in a series on relationships. And uh, they did a great job. You can actually get a ringtone of Rich saying some of those one-liners if you want. Ten bucks, a ringtone, it's all going towards a good cause. Uh, before we jump into the message, uh, let me just make a little recap. Last Sunday after the second service, we had what we call a business meeting. If you're new to the church, it's simply a family meeting, getting together and uh, talking about what's going on, looking at where we are in our financial world. And uh, one of the things we talked about was some bylaw changes, how we structure, how we organize ourselves to try and do the most effective ministry. And uh, some of the questions were helpful, made some nuanced changes. And on November 3rd, we will have a meeting after the second service again to discuss one more time and to vote on that. And in between, on the 22nd of this month, we will have, it's a Tuesday, we'll have a gathering here for anybody that wants to come, um, where we'll talk through them a little bit more. If you have any questions, it's a great opportunity to bring them as well. Uh, I think in there you can email questions or call the office. We want to interact with you. We want to hear you. Um, we want to organize ourselves so that we can do effective, agile mission for the kingdom of God. Amen. Just wanted an amen after we talked about a business meeting. You don't get that too often. Hey, we, uh, we've been talking for the last three weeks. This is the fourth and final week of this series. Uh, we've been talking about relationships. And the premise of this series is this idea that if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we have been changed by the grace and forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ, we actually believe that should impact our relational world. It's not just about me and God. It's about me and my relationships as well, Right? And uh, I was thinking it's one of those things where I think often people outside the church call us hypocrites. And I think they call us hypocrites often because we are not living in our relational world the way that we should, the way that they think we should. And there's legitimacy to that. So what would it look like if we really got serious about our relational worlds reflecting that we are followers of Jesus Christ? We're in the book of Ephesians, and that's what Paul is doing. For the first three chapters, he talks about their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And then for the second three chapters of Ephesians, he gets super practical into their relational world. What do your marriages look like? What does the relation look like with your kids? How does your relationships at work look like? And we're trying to take some of that and get very practical about our relational lives. This morning we're talking about anger. Uh, before we do, I, I want us to talk about relational anger. And to do that, we have to say what we're not talking about. We are not talking about righteous anger. Righteous anger is that anger inside of you that when you see something wrong, you are moved to do something about it. When you see an injustice, you are moved to do something about it. It's like the story in the Gospels where Jesus comes into the temple. The story where he turns over the tables. And when he comes into the temple, he sees that at these tables where they're selling the sacrifices, they've marked up the prices. And you see, when they would mark up the prices, that would actually leave the poor among them out of being able to be a part of the temple worship. Jesus sees that injustice, goes to the tables, and as a statement, turns over the tables. That's righteous anger. Chris was just talking about the Congo. When we look at the Congo, the poorest country in Africa, in the area where the Covenant Church is the poorest part of the poorest country, 
and we hear that one in five babies won't make it past the age of five, I don't know about you, I get angry. Something in that is so wrong, and I begin to say, what can I, what can we do about it? That's righteous anger. We're not talking about that this morning. We'll talk about that down the road. It's important. This morning, we want to talk about relational anger. And relational anger is this, by definition. It is this feeling or feelings of strong displeasure and antagonism with the desire to do something in response to those feelings. We're going to see anger itself is not bad. It's how we respond to anger. Frederick Buechner said this. He said, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you were given and the pain you were given back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. Now hear this. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. And we talk about relational anger and how we re- often respond to it in unhealthy ways. The person that is being destroyed, the relational world that is being destroyed is yours. That's why we're saying this is a no-nudge-the-person-next-to-you series. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your neighbor, your friends, the person you go to school with. Let God speak to you about what anger looks like in your life. And I think it starts by asking some questions. When you get angry, how do you respond? We all struggle in in different types of anger. For some of us in this room, our version of anger is we blow up. When that feeling, when that emotion comes, our response is, boom, it is all out there, decibel level 10. The neighbors are looking out the front door wondering what in the world is going on. You let it all out. For others in this room, this is me, it is hold it inside. I mean, I... I I get angry as anybody else, and I just hold it in, keep it inside, push it inside. It's building up, it's building up, it's building up. But the question is, how do you respond? Do you blow up, and when you blow up, what does it look like? Or do you stuff it all inside, thinking you're not getting angry, by the way? That's what many of us, we justify that, as I'm not angry because I'm not yelling. That's not true. Men, stuffing it inside is anger. And how you respond out of that is a question. Or do you look for someone else to blame? When that emotion wells up inside of you, are you looking for the next person to blame? Do you look to God? Do you look to your own happiness? I think this is one of those emotions which is good in and of itself. We'll see that. That initial moment of anger when you know something is not right is good. How you respond to it becomes the question. And thus, this can be a very, very dangerous emotion. So Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we've been in the second part of this chapter for the last three weeks. And we're going to look at two short verses this morning. Verse 26 says this. In your anger, do not sin. The premise of that is being angry is not the sin. Having that emotion of something welling up inside of you as an alarm saying this is not right, this relationship is amiss, something is wrong, that is not a bad thing. 
we're going to see is the response. So in your anger, and he's quoting Psalm 4 verse 4 here. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Before we try and work that out, I want us just to sit with the idea of anger. I don't think we do this introspective thing very often. I just want to talk about four things when it comes to the idea of anger. One is, I think anger has benefits. I'm going to talk through those for a second. Now I want to talk about some of the causes. Why do we get angry? Some of the symptoms, how it sort of plays out, and then end with some effects before we look at how we can relate in a different way with our anger. So the first one is this. I think anger has benefits, friends. I think there are amazing benefits to anger, to that emotion that wells up inside of us. One is that it warns us that something on the inside is not right. When you get angry, use that as a warning sign, sort of the the flashing sign of, okay, that feeling's not wrong. What is it warning me about? What is it telling me about? I think another one of the benefits is it can, not always, it can cause us to move out of our apathy to actually accomplish, mend, restore, deal well with relationships. When we notice that emotion, we notice that feeling, it can move us towards some type of redemptive place in our relationships. So there's benefits. We list some of the causes, and there are probably more that I'm going to list, but I want to list five or six. One of the key, key causes of anger, if you're anything like me, is not getting our own way. Amen? If I'm sitting on the couch watching Sports Center, probably running through it for the third time, I've seen all the things before, but men, we, there's something. Sports Center needs to be rewatched and rewatched. And my girls are in the other room acting up. They're fighting as girls do. It's all verbal when girls fight. And I'm sitting there on the couch thinking, why are they fighting? They are getting in the way of my third time of seeing the top 10 plays of the day. And the thing going on inside of me, in that funny moment that actually does happen, is I'm not getting my own way. I'm not getting my quiet time. I'm not getting my time alone. And so what do I do? I lash out. I respond often in unhealthy ways towards my kids. So one of the causes is not getting our own way. Another cause is rejection. When you have been rejected, often the emotion that is stirred up is anger. That response of that person rejected me, I'm going to do something about it. So anger becomes connected to revenge. Another cause is fear of loss. Or you've actually lost something. This can happen at some of the darkest moments in our lives. We're about to lose someone we love. Or we have lost someone. And the initial emotion, surprisingly, is anger. And it starts to play out in our relational world in very unhealthy ways. Another cause is feeling threatened. This is a little bit of the protective side of us. When you are feeling threatened or someone you love is being threatened, what happens in you? This anger starts to well up and the question becomes, how are you going to deal with it? Then another one is past hurts. I think a key one that we need to look on the inside about is past hurts. That thing that happened in that relationship 10 years ago that we haven't let go of. We talked about forgiveness last week. We're holding on to it, holding on to it. And the anger is building and building and building. And the way in which it's playing out in our relationships is so unhealthy. Which leads us to symptoms. I think there's two key, sort of we talked about this at the beginning, two key symptoms that happen in anger. One is rage. 
It's that uncontrolled, explosive anger. You've seen it. Maybe you struggle with it. When you get angry, your response is just, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to yell. The neighborhood is shutting down because everybody's staring at our house. It is all out there. Some of us are that way, right? It's rage. That's the symptom. That's the way it plays out. For others, it's resentment. This is those of us who have this suppressed or even repressed anger. We let it build and build and build. And what tends to happen for those of us in this way is it starts to play out in very passive-aggressive types of ways. You know, the husband who gets angry at the wife for the conversation in the morning and decides the payback is going to be, I'm going to be late for dinner at night. Has no relationship. It's a passive aggressive way to deal with the anger that is on the inside. And then the effects. And this is so important for us to understand. I think one of the effects, if you do any study about anger, one of the effects is it actually has physical um, ways in which it plays out in us. You were not made by the Creator God to hold anger in in unhealthy ways and respond to it. You're not made that way. Oftentimes, issues of depression are related to anger that we're holding on the inside from things that have happened in our relational world. We are not made, we are not wired to be people who handle poorly the anger that happens. Another thing that happens connected to last week is unforgiveness. That thing happens, we hold on to it, we hold on to it. The anger builds and builds and builds. It's that thing that happened between me and my sister 10 years ago. I can't even remember what it is, but the anger is built to be such a wall that that relationship may never be restored. Happens in families, it happens in churches. People sitting across the same sanctuary that have grown so angry at each other that they can barely even think about the word forgiveness. Another effect is often passive aggressiveness. We've talked about it, but this is such an important one for us to say. We we tend to to try and take some of these ways in which we deal relationally and justify. You cannot justify relating in passive aggressive type of ways. It's not healthy communication. We've talked about it the last few weeks, about speaking the truth in love, about using words that build up. Those are anti-passive aggressive use. Of, um, of anger. And then I think a very, very important one, an effect of anger, is generational anger. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, the way in which you handle anger in your relational world tells the generation behind you how to handle anger. On some occasions, they may find, find hope and redemption and do something differently, but often they are going to repeat what they see. Amen? And the challenge for us is to begin to, as followers of Jesus Christ, live a different way in our relational world. And that all brings us to, so then as followers of Jesus, or people trying to follow Jesus, figuring it out, no matter where you are, how can we <clears throat> begin to handle anger in a different way? Some of it is starting by repenting, saying when I handle anger in an unhealthy way, what I'm saying is it's about me, it's about my happiness, I'm the king, I'm in charge, I want people to please me, it's about my power and my control, those all feel like big things, but that's what we're saying. 
And that is what is happening in our relational world. I remember as a kid, when I was uh, sort of late grade school or junior high, we had moved from uh, looking at the Rocky Mountains to central Illinois, Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, to so much corn you cannot imagine. Oh, still have counseling issues. I'm working out with my parents on that one. But I remember, we were part of a larger church, and we, about a block away from our church, we had 20 acres that they had set up as all these softball and soccer fields. And one of the ways in which the church did outreach was in the summer, they had a huge sort of softball league. A couple dozen teams, bunches of people in the church and outside the church coming to play softball. And I remember this one guy in the church. I hadn't seen a ton ton of sort of out there handling of of anger growing up. But I remember this one guy, respected, he had been a deacon, supposedly a leader in the church, but he threw him on the softball field, and the guy was a jerk. I mean, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old, I I vividly can look and remember seeing that and saying, there's something not right. He says he follows Jesus, but he handles his anger and emotions that way. What's, what's the disconnect? And I think if we're going to get to the place of handling our anger well, we have to say that. If I'm a follower of Jesus, how I live relationally when it comes to anger should reflect a different story. So let me give you three ideas as we walk out of here, as we handle anger. One is own up to it. Own up to it. Learn to identify sort of the things that cause anger in you. What, what brings up that emotion? Not the righteous anger, but the relational anger. What, what brings it up in your marriage with your kids at work? And often it's probably okay. The emotion is okay. We're going to talk about how to handle it in a second. But, but what brings it up? Identify and own up to the fact that you get angry and that is Okay. Second thing is this. Identify the source of your anger so you don't misdirect the response. Identify the source so you don't misdirect the response. The passage in Psalm that is quoted in our text we read this morning, Psalm 4 verse 4 says this. Tremble, which in the Hebrew literally means in your anger. So in your anger, do not sin. And then the second half of Psalm 4 verse 4 says this. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. I think in modern day, busy America, where we're running, 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 with no margin of life, we do not search our hearts well. If we're going to begin to live a different way in our relational world, we need to search our hearts and sit down and say, what are the things that make me angry? And where do I tend to misdirect my responses to it and think thoughtfully and intentionally about what it looks like to be a Christ follower in my marriage, with my kids, in my neighborhood, at work, at school, on my sports team, whatever the thing may be. So own up to it, identify, and here's the last one. Deal with it quickly. That's what the text tells us this morning. Deal with it with your anger quickly, if you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, if you have experienced love and grace and forgiveness that we find in Jesus Christ, you have been given the presence of God within you. We call it in the church the Holy Spirit. It's what this, the Scriptures say. And the, the Holy Spirit is given to you so that you can actually have the self-control and ability to handle your anger well. 
That is why Paul gets so extremely practical in this passage. Speak the truth in love. Learn how to talk to each other. Stop lying, he says. Instead of using words that destroy a person, start to use words that build up, that encourage, that lift up, that point to who they are in God. Forgive one another. This is God and Christ has forgiven you. And there's a reason we put anger last because when we're getting all of that, we have the tools to deal with our anger, right? So I can start to say what I need to say in the way I need to say it to the person I need to say it. And as I'm saying it, I'm looking at that person, I'm beginning to think, what are the types of things I can say to them that would actually build them up? And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it in a passive-aggressive, triangulated way. I'm going to say it in a way that helps the relationship become stronger and shows the grace and love and forgiveness that is found in God. That is the invitation that we are given as followers of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, it's so important to understand this. It is for sure about having a new relationship with God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's also about the fact that God cares about every relationship that you have. Father, God, I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters in this room. God, I pray for the marriages. I pray, Lord, that they would reflect that there is a living God who is redeeming relationships, giving people the practical tools to not only have healthy marriages, but to have Christ-centered, Jesus-focused marriages. God, I pray for all the brothers and sisters represented in this room. Lord, that we would have siblings, not sibling rivalry, but sibling love centered in you. And God, for all the businesses represented, Places where we often go and we, we tend to think it's okay to act differently there. Maybe to, to have our anger be unhealthy there. God, I pray that every business represented by people in this room would begin to reflect the reality that there's a living God who is calling us to live in a different way. For our schools, our neighborhoods, for our sports teams, God. May you be alive and active, redeeming and restoring and inviting us into new and beautiful relationships.